0: Hey, I'm Alex. And I'm Brandon. Hey, Brandon, do you remember when the phrase, how low can you Cuomo, wouldn't have been funny? Oh, <laughs> do you remember Polly <laughs> <laughs> Psy? We are back on Remember Poli And Brandon, I've really missed you, man. It's been like a week and a half since our last pod. And I was definitely jonesing for a conversation with my favorite bro. Yo, what's up? You're my
1: favorite bro, too. And yeah, it's been a while. Hey, things have been happening, man. There's been a lot going on in the world, in life. In, I, I've had a, this project at work, and you know I come home and I have to put on my <laughs> slippers and get my tobacco
0: pipe and read the yes. newspaper. You've it's- got your you've got your loungewear, you've got your loose fitting robe, your your night attire. You've got your slippers that hang off your foot just so properly as you sit cross legged reading your paper. It's actually You're- funny because I do. I'm in fact wearing slippers right now, and I, I do appreciate them. Um, that's a that's amazing. I I need to get some good. Sl- slippers slippers are just fantastic in the winter months you know they just warm your core they're heartwarming i'll say that about slippers
1: they actually to be completely honest like it it is quite comfortable i'm sure part of it is that i'm aging i'm getting aged um i mean i used to just hang out with <laughs> no aged. socks like no nothing <laughs> although then again i was wearing those like that like onesie pajama thing when i was like five so I've uh, evolved since then uh, I'm wearing oh sweatpants, i totally shirt, remember the slippers, onesie you know?
0: You know, I did not like the onesies as a kid. They felt very restrictive. I remember like I would just feel so zipped up and so like, I don't know, so constrained by it. I really didn't like it.
1: Actually, I I think I kind of liked it. Uh, they had that like the sticky bottoms on the feet, which was sort of annoying because you couldn't slide <laughs> across the linoleum. But
0: uh, oh. so yeah, I, I'm
1: just chilling in my slippies right now. So I'm feeling Dude, good. I gotta
0: say, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring a little brotherly story in here to embarrass you. When you were little, and I remember you wearing that onesie, you got so sweaty at night. And I've always been a light sleeper. <laughs> I don't know, are you are you are you still a really really deep sleeper? Or yeah. has that changed? Yeah, my okay. the
1: bio the biometrics on my watch prove that i get more deep sleep than cassie for example yeah
0: oh my god dude you you've always been like that so i used to literally go because you had the bottom bunk i had the upper bunk i would go to the bottom bunk and hold your eyelids open and watch your eyes flick around while you were in rem sleep but i remember dude, i would thanks often-
1: i really appreciate that bro <laughs> It didn't, hurt you. It, didn't,
0: it didn't hurt you it was weird i was like look he's not waking up and then the other thing you would get so sweaty at night i would literally like legit worry about you and i think <laughs> no i would be like dude is brandon too like you would be beet red and like dripping in sweat in your onesie with your blanket like all the way up to your <laughs> neck i'm serious oh, and man. too To this day, I have this weird compunction where if I wake up at night, I like need to wet my whistle. I just got to drink some water. And I think partially it's from those like early childhood experiences of watching you like roast yourself at night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm just like a cooked ham in there.
1: I actually I'm still like I've always been pretty sweaty. Like when I work out, I sweat a lot. That's actually and to be fair, like I appreciate it. Like I, I feel like I sweat just the right amount. Like it doesn't interfere in my daily life, but when I work out, I sweat. I sweat a lot, and it's true. I'm like a hot sleeper, um, so I have to be mindful of how many comforters or whatever I'm using. But I'm not like sweating it up in the bed anymore. I could totally. I'm just laughing because I can totally see that. Like it makes perfect sense.
0: I don't think I've ever told you that before. That's funny. That like the first time you hear it is on a live podcast. I know the listeners really are interested in how sweaty I sweating. Really so really they that, really care. They really care. Okay. 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 You're right. So I'm gonna kick it up a notch. I'm gonna hit into the. I don't know if new- you can get any
1: higher than. Brandon is sweaty. I think that's like the pinnacle of podcast
0: discussion. Yeah, and by the way, that is not an insult, but I I'm, I'm going to say news you can you Okay, that's the, right. that the worst one we've ever done. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't. That was weird. It was like a weird march. So, okay, hey, hey, ho, ho. Andrew Cuomo got to go. I gotta bring this up, bro. I know, I know you don't want to talk about it. I know you think I should just sweep that. this it's under that, the rug. He's
1: a he's a reprehensible, disgusting
0: human. It's that's what I'm reacting to. I'm fine oh, to okay, talk about okay, it. oh, okay. I want to. Okay, here's the reason I want to talk about this. Okay, a third staffer, and actually, on my bike ride home, I was checking the news out because. I'm really bad and I you know ride my bike and I scroll the news while I'm riding my bike, which is totally stupid, I saw that there's been yeah, another allegation of inappropriate touching, inappropriate comments, inappropriate behavior from Governor Andrew Cuomo. Now, you remember just a few months ago um, when we still had that old president who didn't believe in COVID-19 while, you know, 3,000 people were dying a day, Andrew Cuomo kind of took the lead. He stepped into the spotlight as like the nation's father reasonably discussing the coronavirus and giving, you know, evidence based recommendations about how we should conduct ourselves. Do you remember that he had his moment in the sun? Yeah, he
1: was like the darling of not only the Democratic Party, but like you said, like he was he was putting a national public face on a national public health emergency when our president at the time was not. So you're right. Yeah, he was in high
0: favor of most people. And it's kind of interesting because it's like a, this weird position that the governor of New York in particular kind of gets to occupy. You remember like Rudy Giuliani, that creep? He was America's mayor after 9-11. You know, people care about Bill de Blasio, even though he's just the mayor of New York City. But you hear about him in the national news all the time. And now you hear about Cuomo. Yeah, so new, I, I, new York City and, and New York State. But New York City in particular
1: has a place in American hierarchy that like even though L.A. Is maybe bigger, more well connected, more international. It's like New New York. Like that's what you when you think of America, you think of New York City, and you're right. It does have like their politicians have like an elevated platform.
0: Yeah, I mean the main thing you need to know is in New York, New York, New York. I don't know the next line. It's where dreams are made of. Concrete jungle, <laughs> where dreams are made of. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I realized Cassie's on call. I probably shouldn't be singing and yelling. Anyway. Oh, my God. Did you just turn into Beyonce for a minute? That was amazing. <laughs> that was totally I totally thought Beyonce was here. So anyway, so Cuomo saw his political fortunes rising and now he must be so disappointed. You know, this is the way these allegations come out. You know, this is the way that power structures seek to incapacitate people who have been wronged by the powerful. They make you feel like you can't speak out. And so now Cuomo is saying, well, if they had a problem, why didn't they speak out before? Because they were scared, Andrew, because they thought they're going to get in trouble they thought you were going to slander them because you're an asshole do you know i heard that andrew cuomo has a list of people that he keeps in his office that when like when a connection comes he has this list of do not yell at this person not a list of who to yell at a list of who not to yell at which means he yells at everyone right that is Uh. so bizarre so, like, the most recent allegation before the one I saw on my way home was that this 25-year-old staffer claims, um, she claims, right? We'll give we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, this is a claim she's making. Does he that, deserve the benefit of the doubt with all of these different claims? Anyway, I, I see what you're doing. Well, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Your you language know, is I mean, accurate. I think that's fair. Yeah, it's a claim. I mean, it's a claim that I believe, but yeah, it's a claim. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know, this is a 25-year-old woman, right? Okay, he asked, like, okay, do you have a boyfriend? Called her sweetheart touched her lower back when do you touch someone's lower back at work when when no, do you do that you literally when do, you never. do that
1: there there There's... are zero times where that's appropriate it's never appropriate who, who in your life do you touch their lower back brandon your significant other <laughs> your kids when you're trying to make them not fall off a cliff like yeah it's not appropriate at work ever
0: He kissed her hand when she rose from a dead Like, why would you kiss someone's hand? You wouldn't. That's not
1: appropriate ever. That's sexual harassment, period. Yeah.
0: Okay. so all this stuff is totally inappropriate. And she said it totally creeped her out. You know, no shit. He told another
1: Alex, if, if Andrew Cuomo put his hand on your
0: lower back, wouldn't it creep you out? Well I don't know I might like it But I'm not, no, you not the wouldn't. one It would creep you out It's weird <laughs> Well it depends I mean it's It's oh, more than, than, Andrew, it's more than not... weird It's harassing behavior Continue You, Continue. you said Andrew Not Chris <laughs> you know his, oh good his god old, his,
1: chris cuomo is what he's brother. like the political pundit on cnn or whatever he's, he's a good looking guy i'll just say that but um <laughs> doesn't matter like i know that we're joking but look it, it's yes. disgusting it's not appropriate ever we all know that and that's why you know multiple people so continue yeah this is okay bad. so
0: another another woman you know said you know he found out her age and then he made a comment like well i date people your age and you know she said this was charlotte bennett that's who not i'm talking appropriate about
1: ever by the way yeah okay, and continue.
0: you know she she kind of at at the time just thought he was old and lonely. I guess he had gone through a divorce. He was looking to date someone. Okay, I'm going to give everybody out there in case you need it some really good advice. You don't date people at work. And when you're a person, an older man in a position of power, you don't hit on young women at work. You don't do that. You never do that. You never should have done that. And I don't care if it's like a holdover from another time when that sort of behavior was sort of appropriate. It's creepy as hell. And I'm sorry that some people don't like cancel culture, but the reason I... I think Andrew Cuomo has to pay for this behavior. Is it's not one case, it's not two cases, it's not three cases. There's like four, five, six cases now. It's a pattern. So he's of he's like the LeBron James of sexual harassment claims. <laughs> Yeah, not one, not it.
1: two, not it's when he went to Miami and he was claiming how many championships that they were gonna get because it was him, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosch. Not one, not
0: two, not three. It's big in NBA <laughs> culture. That's a preview for a different topic we're gonna be talking about today, Alex. But yeah, that's Okay, I know. I know you're just itching to switch gears onto your because you've done so many Blazers podcasts, but I'm gonna focus you back on the on the politics for a little bit longer here. Shout out to so- the
1: homie Evan McCarthy, Evan M uh <laughs> he was he was my, he was my guest he's a graphic oh, okay. designer okay, who's originally right. from portland le- now lives in new orleans evan mccarthy his brand name okay. is evan m
0: and he's really cool anyway i yeah. got i got love for him he sounds like a good guy so you want to hear what the uh what the defense was here for these allegations so that he's a complete uh, piece of shit is that okay the no here's what what you know let's let's give him again we'll give him the benefit no, let's of the doubt not do that all right whatever okay. can do. so rich As Pilardi, A-Z-Z-O-P-A-R. I don't know. Anyway, not his name. That's his name. Rich, as Pilardi. come on, he's a senior advisor to Cuomo. He's one of his spokes mouth pieces, mouth spokesers. He (laughs) said, quote, reporters and photographers have covered this governor for 14 years, watching him kiss men and women and posing for pictures What? at the public open house mansion reception. There are hundreds of people he posed for hundreds of pictures. That's what people in politics do. Does that sound like a good defense for all of the allegations that have been made? No, not at all. That's an awful defense. All right. All right. And so more and more people are coming out, including powerful Democratic elite, saying that Andrew Cuomo should step down. So, I mean, yeah. What do you think, Brandon? Should he step down? And that'll be the end of this discussion. Yes. Okay, we're done. (laughs) One more thing about this.
1: I think that your point about... I I appreciate what you're doing. It's like you were calling these claims. You were saying that they were claims. I think that's fair. Uh, When you get to the point where multiple people are accusing you of the same behavior, right? Like, it's, it's not to say that one person making a claim shouldn't be taken seriously. It should, every single time. And it also says something when there are multiple people making that same claim, right? And the other thing, too, when you think about People's comfort level, accusing a really prominent, well-known, well-liked political figure, right? Like we were just talking about earlier, he was beloved by everybody in the country for how he stepped in his leadership role with COVID. Do you know how hard it is to then accuse that person of something? You're putting yourself in risk, By doing that, it's it's. And so when you have one person that comes forward and says, this is my story, this is what happened, it definitely can make it so that other people are also comfortable coming forward. And that's why you see this happen time and time again, particularly with like predatory behavior for men, is that once somebody comes forward, other people are also comfortable doing it because there's a safety in numbers thing. And that's it's sad because anybody who experiences sexual harassment of any sort at any point, they should feel comfortable coming forward, but the reality is that they don't. And that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. In fact, it's insidious and disgusting that we have a culture in which people don't feel comfortable sharing this stuff. So I know I'm kind of going on a long diatribe. I know you agree with me 100%. The point is, it's not acceptable. He should have resigned yesterday And it's just it's really, really gross. Let me just parse
0: out. I just want to parse out one more thing that you didn't really touch on. I, I agree with what you said. But the other really important piece of information in these cases is that this what makes this sexual harassment is this is being done in an official capacity. The state of New York is paying Cuomo to be governor, not paying him to have a dating circle inside the governor's mansion, right? That's the problem. It's he is abusing his power. So, you know. I- People make miscalculations, right? And that's I never want to get to the point where it's not acceptable for men to make advances. Now, you could put aside that it's kind of creepy. It's like, why can't this guy date someone his own age? Like, why is he going after 25 year olds? Okay, whatever. I'm going to just table that whatever he thinks he is. Um, But but within a work environment, it is especially insidious because people are trying to have a career. Right. And generally, if your boss asks you to do something, You want to do it right like your, like if my boss, my boss happens to be male, whatever. But, you know, if my boss were female and asked me to do something, whatever, I'm going to I want to try and do it. So put yourself in a position where a there's a there's a power differential and B there's an age differential. This puts a lot of pressure on women. And so this is not lost to people in these positions, it makes people super duper uncomfortable for good reason. So Cuomo, I mean, honestly, dude, you you had a good run. And you know, I'm sorry that you acted this way, but you gotta you I'm have sorry to own that up. you acted this way. You have to own up to your behavior, right? I, I mean it's yeah, I,
1: I'm sorry for the people that his actions affected, right? And, and, okay, and yeah, I I want to put a finer point on something you said because when you're at work you don't engage with people in that manner at all. Like I, I, I want to be yes. clear that whether it's your colleague, whether there is a power dynamic or not, there's a good reason why people come together. People are attracted to each other. That's normal. That's human. You don't do it in a professional environment. There's a reason for that. And also, I think that you're right that the power dynamics do come into a, into play here. Whether it's your supervisor, whether it's somebody who's as powerful as the governor, someone like a chief of staff, somebody like a policy advisor, and you're an admin assistant, for example, these power dynamics affect more than just the two people involved. It can infect the whole office, and I use the word "infect," not "affect," on purpose. It can, it can, it can really impact the entire working dynamic of the office. And I, I mean, I don't need to go too deep into local politics, but you know, recently. In the city of Portland, the mayor's office, it became known that there were two people in the office that had a relationship. It was by all means, it was consensual. Okay, fine. The problem was a power dynamic. There was a power difference between these two positions how that makes the rest of the office feel, oh, like, is this other person now beyond being disciplined, right? That's why there's conflicts of interest that at least in a government office environment, you have to talk about and explain, disclose. You have to make sure that someone's not within what they call your chain of command to avoid this conflict of interest. So all of this is just to say, sexual harassment is bad, don't do it. Cuomo should have resigned yesterday. It's disgusting and there's no excuse for it. Also, OK,
0: let me I want to just say one more thing. Also, if you are looking for romance and you do happen to find yourself attracted to a co-worker, that's not necessarily wrong. There are ways to go about that that are not creepy and not harassment. Right. You can you can ask the person, would you like to do something with me outside of work? Would you like to go somewhere? Right. You don't need to say, say no. Guess what you do? You fucking stop. Like that's yeah, it. if they if they say no, that means no, they don't. So if they don't want to hang out with you outside of work, they probably don't want to have sex. So, yeah, that's that's basically the end of this discussion. It's it's just it's stupid. It's creepy. It's not effective. Women are people like just treat them that way. I just don't. The whole thing is so dumb and let it's me so ask, gross. Let me ask one
1: more question. I know we we're trying to get off this topic, but I really am. I, I know. I, <laughs> I'm so I'll, I'll take it out of this specific <laughs> example. I'll make it more broad. Yes. Don't you find it distasteful that when there are politicians of either party that commit totally reprehensible and indefensible acts that depending on how powerful that person is, that the party apparatus, that people around them will defend that person and try to keep them in their job or try to explain away why they're such a nice person like... Isn't it frustrating and isn't it disgusting that it seems like when you have more power, it's harder to hold you accountable? I mean, the answer is yes, but I'm just pointing that out as kind of like a broad writ large thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, George Washington warned about this, and we need to talk more about this, that when political parties take hold, they become sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That political parties just exist to serve themselves and keep themselves going. Republicans are study number one in that. Look at the Republican Party right now. They do this in so many ways. In fact, their whole platform, and we'll get into this with voter suppression again, we have to talk about it. Their whole platform is just preservation of their own power. That's like their platform. That's what the Republican platform. Sorry. I know Democrats are corrupt, too. In many ways, there's been, of course, oh, yeah. you know, corrupt Democratic things going on as I'm not trying to pick on one party. But, yes, I mean, people should be held account and society needs to just basically move on from these types of people. And honestly, on if I if I'm making a, a, a guess on what's going to happen, Cuomo's got his his days are numbered. Like he's not going to weather this and become like a successful governor again. He, I heard him on the radio, and he was saying, you know, I've got to focus on the budget. I've got to focus on this and that. You've got to focus on getting your ass out of office, bro. Yeah, I'm sorry. I Yeah, I'm not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Okay, next topic, yeah? Next topic. Um, so this is a little bit aged now, this topic, but I still want to talk about it a bit, because it's... So CPAC happened, right? The conservative Agent political... like my <laughs> slippered feet. <laughs> wrinkly. <laughs> your feet always look like they just got out of the bath. They're like... <laughs> I'm so glad that my feet don't look that way <laughs> someday oh that, hey if you're lucky enough to make it that age that's great yeah i mean what when does that happen like 88 89 somewhere in there oh come on all right <laughs> so trump trump spoke at cpac uh you know conservative political action committee it's a really big you know it's the woodstock it, of conservatives republican, it's a republican circle jerk alex that's yeah a, that's the yeah. word you're
1: looking for circle jerk it's a What's bunch that? of republicans saying how great we are and we hate immigrants <laughs> and we hate you know, everybody who doesn't look like us. And that's that's literally what they do.
0: Yeah. And this time, you know, most of the speakers that they had, they talked about voter suppression and, you know, numerous speakers talked about how the election was stolen. We'll get back into that. This this the propagation of this lie that the election was stolen because propagation and propaganda. Yeah, it is propaganda. I mean, that's exactly oh, it totally what it was. is. It's 100%. I mean, it, it, did you see the image of the golden statue of Trump that they had at CPAC? Did Dude, you see that
1: thing? I saw that. Did you see what their stage was shaped like?
0: I saw you know it was like shaped by Like some Nazi rune do you really yes. think that was On purpose you really think that was on purpose I don't really? th-
1: I- I'm not saying it was on purpose I'm saying when people pointed it out they Didn't like disavow it and I think that's a Pretty big fucking problem like oh My god <laughs> right like I-, I don't know anyway uh, I
0: don't that just feels a Little too conspiracy theory f- for me Like oh and the stage was shaped like a Nazi Rune so only the true believers would Know but they I, I mean uh, maybe maybe But this golden statue they had This like <laughs> highly polished it was the most not only was it garish i mean it was just totally ugly and ridiculous it was this Oh, when i think of trump i don't think of gold and garish except for his entire
1: penthouse was gold (laughs) and garish
0: well not only was it a gold statue with like the head being made of pure gold and the hair it was in it was in american flag board shorts wearing sandals carrying a magic wand with a star on it what the hell was that freaking weirdo bro (laughs) it's so weird What is going on so so it wasn't lost on the goers of, of CPAC, you know, who tend to be religious. And there's this famous story in the Bible of the golden calf, which I didn't know really much about it, but I kind of looked it up. So a lot of ancient religions worshipped bulls. And if you've ever been near a bull, you can kind of understand why they're insanely powerful looking and they have big ass horns and they could kill you in one second. Like they're amazing looking. Right. So a lot of ancient religions that, you know, competed with Christianity years ago, you know, worshipped uh, bulls and calves. And so the Golden Calf was just a reference in the Bible to some, you know, basically pagan religion that was obviously, you know, awful and satanic and blah, blah, blah. So the sort of like the metaphor there was not lost to a lot of people that they were literally prancing around this golden statue of Trump and taking pictures in front of it. It was unbelievable. It's like they had their own golden calf right there at CPAC.
1: So weird. I just everything about it is just so odd. And also just that the Republican Party. They can't they can't
0: quit their addiction to Trump. They just you no, know they, they no just way. can't they can't quit him. No way. They loved it, dude. So they you know, it was over three or four days and the, all the speakers kind of referenced things that Trump was going to speak about. And then finally Trump got up there and man, he looked so happy. I got to say I heard some clips. He was back in full form. He had that dripping sarcasm, that disgusting, like just dense hatred thing that he does. So he criticized Biden. This dense makes this hatred. Makes, I like it. This this makes me laugh so much. He criticized Biden for kinda <laughs> can't, can't even say it. The worst month in any president's history ever. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Biden's, biden's been biden's been president for four weeks that's the worst month ever you know biden's nominees for his cabinet aren't even appointed his policies aren't even in play biden's essentially ruling over trump's government still trump's just barely left off left office and it's the worst month of any president ever it's so and ta- all man
1: like i just yeah it, it's again it's it's weird it's frightening it's it's odd to me that republicans are just they're really hitching her, hitching their star to trump's wagon and this comes amid reports that there are rumors about mitch mcconnell's Ooh. political future and look
0: mitch mcconnell is wait a, wait 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 wait. there's rumors about his future as a living human have you seen how old he is i'm not trying to be mean
1: well no i mean mitch mcconnell <laughs> is a tortoise and tortoises live long lives Alex. so
0: <laughs> I, I mean that's mitch. not a surprise
1: but um Yeah, I I just – anyway, it's just – it's not – I guess it's not shocking. Of course it's come to this, and I, I like that kind of the nation is collectively, you know, disengaging themselves from political discourse. We have a lot of things to worry about. We have COVID to worry about. We have employment to worry about. People need to pay rent. There's a lot going on in the country that demands people's attention. And I, I appreciate that most people are not locked into politics the way they were right around the election. That's normal, that's to be expected. However, as you mentioned before, we are in a pretty worrying state when one of America's major political parties is, you know, they're literally believing in furthering, amplifying conspiracy theories, and they're propping up somebody who tried their best. To end American democracy—that's not hyperbole. That is what happened, and I I think that that just means we're in a
0: tough place. it, It is a tough place, and the and the reason they're embracing this is because they do not have a path to political power unless they can stop Democrats from voting. That's just the bottom line. They do not have a path forward unless they can stop people from voting because the electorate is getting younger. The electorate is getting more diverse and people who vote Republican tend to be old white people. And that's basically in a nutshell what's going on. So they need to restrict. They honestly, as a party, the way I'm defining this now is Republicans do not believe in democracy anymore. They do not like democracy. They do not like the makeup of the country. They appreciate holding political power. And Trump thinks he's going to be the big cheese going forward. He that's that's his hope. That's what he's painting himself to be. So, yeah, it's it's just it's it's disgusting. It's unbelievable. And at the same time, we need to have clear eyes about what's going on, because our job as patriots, real patriots, I'll say, or Americans is to open up voting access as much as we can. And secondarily, as Democrats, if we do that, Democrats are going to retain power. Now Trump's got a lot on his plate. I was just reading; um, I think it's in the Wall Street Journal. This big-time lawyer was talking about all the legal actions that have been filed against Trump, and his quote was something like, "Trump is likely going to spend the rest of his life defending himself from these lawsuits." That's that was his quote. Like, so you know, Eric Swalwell, who is a congressman from California, and was a victim. Completely made up, Alex. No, come on, man. That's real. He's a congressman. He was one of the impeachment managers. You don't remember hearing his name, Eric Swalwell? It He's just real? sounds
1: like a cheesy C-list actor. But continue.
0: <laughs> I think it sounds kind of swanky, Eric. Eric if you're Eric, if you're listening, I'm inviting you onto the pod right now. We'd love to have you, and I will not make fun of your name. It like reminds Brandon. me of. Dan Sitwell, who was the nemesis
1: developer in the TV show Arrested Development.
0: So Oh my God, I feel like I'm on Glenn Beck. It's like oh <laughs> that's, amazing. that's very, Sorry. very uh No, no, I liked it. It was referential. I enjoyed it. Um, okay, so Eric Swalwell, congressman and victim of the Trump riot, is making basically the same arguments used against Trump in the impeachment trial, and he's suing him, you know, civil litigation. The mob attack was, quote, a direct and foreseeable consequence of the defendant's false and incendiary allegations of fraud and theft and in direct response to the defendants express calls for violence swalwell um, is among members of congress who were trapped in the white in the house chambers as rioters approached they feared for their lives and quote texted loved ones in the worst case scenario in case the worst case scenario would happen um he has a good case i mean lawyers looking at this are like This is a very good case. So remember O.J. Simpson, like he, you know, criminally he was he was let off, but then he just got his ass handed to him in In civil civil suits. Yeah, that's pretty much what people are thinking is going to happen. So, you know, Trump, his his shield would be to maintain political relevancy so he can harness the machinery of the RNC to protect himself because Trump is actually widely in debt. He's being investigated for his financial misdealings, and now he's dealing with Not this one. I mean, multiple civil litigation uh, suits and and there's probably more to come. D.C. is investigating him. Georgia is investigating him. I mean, Trump is in a very precarious uh, position. Do you want to hear his defense? Here's his defense on Fox News. Alan Dershowitz, a Republican lawyer and Trump's I cannot wait
1: to hear it. I'm sure it's going to be a stellar and comprehensive
0: and cohesive defense. Yes, it's it's incredible, and he and he uh, was able to sum it up in one line too. This suit is like quote suing God for writing the Bible end quote. <sighs> that makes that makes no sense. Did God write the Bible? I don't. It, is God suable in court? I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make do these any- people
1: understand that like the Bible is supposed to be the word of God as translated through human beings. That the books mm-hmm. of John, Paul, etc. Are people who existed and wrote this stuff that, like that, do they know how the Bible works? Do they not know? Like, I don't know. It's weird.
0: And again, are they are they referring to Trump as a god again? Why do they keep doing this? I don't they can't understand help themselves, man. I mean, how, how did such a weird, sleazy, B-list actor with a crappy TV show become their savior? How did this happen?
1: They're so hard up for like national political figures they can point to as being successful at like George W. Bush was kind of tainted in certain ways. And so it's like, you got to really go back to Ronald Reagan, who himself has become a deity, but like, yeah, like Donald Trump won one election while somehow losing the popular (laughs) vote. And then he lost, he's a two time loser. All of the races essentially that he endorsed in 2020, they lost Georgia was lost to Democrats in large part because of Trump's support and his insistence that people focus on his lies about the election results. And, Yet, Republicans want to do nothing more than kiss his golden shorted ass that that, that gold <laughs> statue with shorts that's what i can't get past it's so
0: weird it's so, really weird the sculptor who made that statue they they interviewed him somewhere and they were asking him so why'd you put him in in shorts and he was like because trump has worked so hard he should be retired but he keeps working for the american people so i put him in those like american flag board shorts and he's like a magician i mean his policies are so effective that's why i gave him the magic wand it's just so gross he it's so gag How many
1: times this guy went golfing while he – and, like, look, here's the thing. I don't have any problem with elected officials taking time off. They need time off. Elected officials have a tough job. Yeah, presidents have a very stressful job. He was on his own property, taxpayer money going to Air Force One to get him there, paying for the
0: rooms for himself and Secret Service to stay there. It was essentially a way to to – Flying himself. to his own hotels. Yeah, flying to his own hotels, his own golf courses. Yes, it was a way
1: It literally a way for him to use American tax dollars to pay
0: himself to play golf. And like, by the way, propping up his crappy properties because there was a pandemic going on and they were all pretty much all of them losing money and so this was a way he could keep his 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 business afloat. This is self-enrichment. I mean, yeah, we could go on and on about how just awful Trump is and the way he abused his office in so many ways. So we, many ways we could, but we have a but lot I, more to talk about. But I also want to make one other point. I, I just I think this bears repeating. He spent the last three months of his presidency focusing on nothing but trying to have a successful coup. That is literally what he spent every waking moment from the time he lost the election to the time his ass was finally flown out of there on Marine One. He didn't get out. He got out. He got out of the White House. Finally, he worked on trying to steal the election. And that is all he did. And that is all he cared about. And Republicans have endorsed that by continuing to approve him it's so disappointing and yet so predictable so guess who trump hates guess who he hates everybody who doesn't agree with him okay you're completely right lisa murkowski of alaska yes republican you know alaska is an interesting state it has kind of a like libertarian almost democratic bent but it it tends to vote republican right but people there are like you know they live way out and you know they they get money from the state for oil development like there's some there's some interesting dynamics there so lisa murkowski occasionally is able to speak her mind and yeah she said some critical things about one of the most easily criticized presidents in history and so here's what trump had to say about it on politico i will not be endorsing under any circumstances. The- a failed candidate from the great state of alaska lisa mcowski she represents her state badly and her country even worse i do not know where other people will be next year but i know where i will be in alaska campaigning against a disloyal and very bad senator but oh but mitch mcconnell says she could. he's gonna go with her he's gonna help her get reelected. that's what so, mitch mcconnell said that yeah continue sorry No, so we still have for versus Republicans. I just want to say that, you know, Republicans are always so excited about exposing fractures in the Democratic Party. This is one we should keep hammering them on. We should use it as a wedge issue. Trump is repugnant to, you know, what is it, 10 percent, 15 percent of Republicans. Um, So I think we should keep hammering them on how unpopular Trump is and how they can't let him go. Yeah, no, it's it's it is funny that that kind of there is a schism
1: in the Republican Party that like as of right now, has not fully separated, right? Mitch McConnell saying that we need to accept the Republicans under our tent that are going to remain Republicans, even if we don't always agree with them. The recall efforts of Liz Cheney, remember, that was sort of like he was trying to cool everyone down. Like, look, like we need to keep her in the party. Like, what are we doing here? And I I don't know when this is going to come to a head, but it hasn't yet. Right. There hasn't been a national reckoning between the Republican Party and the Republican Party that supports Trump. But it's going to happen at some point. And whether it happens in 2022 during the midterm elections or some other time, I think that we're headed there. Right. There seems to be an irreconcilable difference between where mainstream Republicans want to go and where Trump supporting Republicans want to go. And as of right now, they're still playing nice enough to where if you're not paying close enough attention, you don't really see that there's a problem, but there's definitely a problem.
0: And that's what scares me so much about like the rhetoric on Fox News and the like is essentially the argument they're making is. Hey, Republicans, don't you hate Democrats? Don't you hate them so much? Don't you want to win? Go with me. Go with Trump and we'll win. I'll make sure we win. You know, Trump always talked about being a winner. Like nothing else mattered. And again, I just want to point out that is not democracy. Winning at all costs is not democracy. Democracy is supposed to be the propagation of ideas, the debate of ideas, and then the people deciding which representatives represent the ideas they want executed, right? Systems, I just heard this quote, and I really liked it. Systems, for the most part, produce the outcome that they were designed to produce. It's such an amazing quote. And if you think about it, it's so yeah. true. Look how a how a Democrat runs a governmental organization versus how a Republican runs it. Look at Texas. Look at the ballooning energy prices during their gas shortage. Right. Look at look at these systems are producing what they want. And right now, the system that the Republicans are excited about is one that doesn't let people vote. And I'm scared about that because they still have a lot of power, especially in state houses, you know?
1: Yeah. And I also think that like it just makes me think of the the quote you said, I think I'm going to try to repeat it a, a system produces the outcomes it was designed to produce when we talk about white supremacy racism misogyny and sexism we are talking about systems that from the very earliest days of this country or most western countries were created were thought about were meant to support who landowning white men right like that is literally the basis of this country and so when you think about Like, when we're talking about systemic racism, when we're talking about systemic problems in society that pop up in lots of different places, we're talking about systems that were literally built from that framework. And, like, it's not just a Republican Party problem, right? Like this is a nationwide problem. I'm I'm bringing this up because yes, you can look at it very broadly, as I just was describing. It. It's like you have these giant society-wide problems. But to your point, when you have a Republican Party that is so explicitly anti-immigrant, anti-working class, right? Like anti-LGBTQ, anti-women, that. Yes, the Republican Party platform and their policies and their political candidates will reflect that like that's that's really the point. So it could be both in all of society. And then to your point, it can be kind of hyper focused on a political
0: party. I, I that's aw- that's an awesome segue into where I wanted to go next so there was a really great analysis on the New York Times and I don't always quote my sources but I'm going to quote this uh, one
1: another New York rag here we are propping up New York again Alex <laughs> let's get something from the Las Vegas Sentinel shall we I don't know if that's a newspaper
0: it sounds like it probably is it could be
1: like the, so, the these weird newspaper names, like the Corvallis Gazette Times, like the right. Democrat herald, like it's like Mad
0: Libs. It's like you select a couple yeah people pick, <laughs> pick these two words like 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 there's the, like fifteen of them or something, yeah, the
1: ostrich Galaxy, like I don't even know anyway, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's really weird, oh, I love it. Who came I came up it. with these. <laughs> I don't know it's just it's it, it's some sort of holdover I suppose. So, oh, to juice the economy, Biden bets on the poor. And it talks about how uh Joe Biden's bottom up 1.9 trillion dollar aid package is a mirror image of what President ex-president Donald J Trump achieved in his first year. Remember what he achieved? He passed a huge tax cut for the rich. It is a mirror image of that, which is going to the nation's needy. That's exactly what it is. The plan is more than just a stimulus proposal. It it captures an increase in benefits for people in the lowest rungs of the economic strata. It increases the child tax credit. In so many ways, it is a redistributive effort to help people at the bottom, uh, at the bottom of, of the pay scale. And so I think it's important for people to remember Remember that, and to dovetail that into, like you said, systems of oppression systems that are seeking to produce or solidify a certain outcome. And Trump did just that with his policies. And Biden is doing the same, but it's in the opposite direction. So, I mean, it's up to the people to decide in a democracy. And I would wager if you pose, you know, this question to the people writ large, most people are going to agree with Joe Biden here. And that's again, that's the big problem for Republicans because they want to remain in power and it's their their policies are getting more and more unpopular.
1: So besides the, you know, the ethical slash empathetic argument for helping people who need the most help, how would you describe the economic argument for helping people at the bottom versus helping people from the top? Like if you were to, like I'm an alien from a different planet and you were, you had to describe in like, you know, 60 or 90 seconds, why it would be better to focus on those with the least than those with the most, what would your economic argument be for that? Good Lord. Okay. Huge I'm putting question. on the
0: spot. Like, is that huge question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm well-prepared. You know, I've read The People's History by Howard Zinn multiple times. My answer is basically coming from there, right? Okay. Just Howie. read that book. Just read that book and you can understand what is the purpose of, of a society, right? It is to create an environment where people can thrive. That is the purpose of a right. society.
1: It's for people to be able to do stuff reasonably, freely, and to enjoy it.
0: Right. And safely. Right. And safely, and safely and to, yep. to be able to to be able to build some sort of a life for themselves, to have have work that is is inspirational, hopefully to them and fulfilling for them to to build a home, to have a safe home, to raise a family, right, to have good schools, to train, to have their children learn in good schools. So this idea that, you know, trickle down economics has long been discounted and disproven. It doesn't work. Giving which more is, money, which
1: is to, a focus on the top. Trickle down means focus. Focus on the top.
0: Right. Giving more money to people at the top does not actually create jobs. It what it does is it allows the people at the top to hoard resources and buy more stuff. But that doesn't necessarily translate to participation in the overall economy. You give that same money to people at in the lower economic strata and they spend that money. Generally, the more money that is spent within a society, the more that generates gross domestic product and the better that is for your country. So you wanna have a broad middle class. How do you get to a broad middle class if you have huge numbers of people living in poverty, right? And how do you get people out of poverty if you don't help them get out of poverty, right? So right. giving people who already have a lot of money. So look at look at Jeff Bezos and and Elon Musk. Okay, these are the two what two richest people in the world they they're worth however many hundreds of billions of dollars what are they doing with that money like yeah, Elon they're not Musk... buying
1: they're not buying hundreds of billions of dollars worth of clothes and cars and f- they exactly. are investing it they're yes. you know yeah that they and by the way again like what a what a great like kind of mini segue or
0: kind of like a foreshadowing to what we're gonna talk about next but yeah so you're right they're they're investing in economic systems that will continue to benefit them, right? Elon Musk says, them. "Yeah, exactly." Elon Musk says, "I have however many billions of dollars. I think I'm going to put 1.5 billion dollars in Bitcoin, right? That doesn't help anybody. Well, maybe it helps me if I invested in Bitcoin. Well, that's I'm another gonna, story. Yeah, I know. We we need to get into that too. So, yeah, it's it's I would I would." recommend people read this article because it's really interesting all of the ways that this bill this stimulus bill has been designed as sort of a new deal approach it's not just coronavirus relief he's making some big broad societal arguments one of the arguments unfortunately we lost was you know the 15 dollars minimum wage which Broadly would be very, very good for producing a middle class in this country. And that looks like it's not going to happen. And one of the reasons that's not going to happen is the next topic of discussion. Our buddy, Joe Manchin. Oh, my Lord. Okay, get us into this. OK, who is Joe Manchin? So Joe Manchin is a senator from West Virginia, right? He's a Democratic senator in a fairly red state. And so he is a moderate Democrat. West and Virginia, mountain mama, dick. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. Was, hey. I was I was going to listen to the whole song, dude. You could have just kept going with that. would I would have yeah, kept listening. <laughs> okay. Continue. He's from West Ma'am Virginia. Okay. Great. Yeah. Home By the way, just to note, West
1: Virginia is not necessarily the most representative state for the entire United States. So I just, I'm putting that out there as you continue, you know, uh, prepping this topic.
0: Yeah. So Joe Manchin, basically, you know, because the Democrats have. A hair uh, a hair thin majority in the Senate. They need every single Democratic senator to vote with them if they're going to pass something. Um, and we won't even get into the whole filibuster right now because these were these were things that were going to be put pushed through in a different way. The budget reconciliation. Now the bu- the budget reconciliation is. We talked about this on the last podcast. There's the Senate parliamentarian who decides. The parliamentarian decided that $15 minimum wage wasn't going to fly anyway. So that's sort of the end of the argument. But from its inception, Joe Manchin said, even if you get it through, I'm not voting for a fifteen dollar minimum wage. And he is in some ways he's representing the state that he comes from. I I mean, I'm assuming they're doing polls in his state and a fifteen dollar minimum wage is not supported by the bulk of his constituents. So Joe Manchin sort of has a duty to his state I guess, you know, to represent his his constituents. And, you know, there's there's a quote which I was reading to you before the fo- the the podcast today by David Mayhew, um, who is a congressional scholar, and he said, quote, single minded seekers of reelection. That's how you should define a senator. So, I mean, in that lens, I have to give Joe Manchin some slack and say, I mean, he's just he's doing what he thinks is right politically. Should he sacrifice himself for this broader Democratic goal that he may or may not even believe in? What do you think, Brandon? I mean, should he be able to vote his conscience? I think that when
1: the Democrats, like you said, have a very slim majority, right, there's this very clear ideological difference between Democrats and Republicans. And when you fly the banner of being a Democrat and when your party said, hey, Georgia voters in the Georgia runoff. If you vote for the two Democratic candidates, we are going to have $2,000 stimulus checks. We are going to have this set of policies that you would not have if you don't vote for Democrats. And you call yourself a Democrat, then there is a balance, right? To your point, yes, you have to represent your state. I think that's fair. There is a balance where you have to look at the totality of the impact of your votes as it affects everybody else. And in this case, you have Joe Manchin, Senator from West Virginia, who Matt is Mama. Who is single handedly able to say, well, you know I really liked that call and response, by the way. Anyway, single handedly. I appreciate that too. <laughs> who single handedly said, Well, you know, I don't really like fifty dollar an hour minimum wage well you know why don't we go 1400 stimulus not 2000 well you know not everybody should have that Somebody's. well we should cut down the unemployment benefits well 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 and he keeps diluting what everyone else in the party it, this is not just Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren right this is like the, the the mainstream of the party wants to go in a certain direction and this one Person has a lot of power to say, "Mm, no, don't want to. Like, you and I, I just not only do I think that is annoying, I also think that his own constituents, Alex, the people who live in West Virginia, the people who live in West Virginia would appreciate having a larger stimulus check because you know what? West Virginia is not the greatest economy in the United States, it's like 48th, right? Like, this is like. I, I it's it, it, i get that he is in a district, he's in a state where you need to be maybe a little bit more
0: moderate. I get that. However Let me make a quick let me make a quick point there. I was just I was just on deck with this fact. So Manchin voted with former President Donald Trump more often than any other Senate Democrat. 33% of the time. And then who was in second? It was Kirsten Cinema of Arizona with 23%. So these two Democrats are surviving in, you know, f- purple or red leaning areas, right? So I mean, think about it this way, would you rather have Joe Manchin there or some Republican who's definitely going to say no? Who would you Joe rather? Joe Manchin.
1: But here's the okay. thing is I, <laughs> I guess my problem is it is a system that allows this to happen and it's frustrating when again, you have All of the like, if you think about the fifty senators who represent um, states that have elected Democrats, and the fifty senators who represent states that elected Republicans, the the number of people who live in those collective districts are much higher in favor of Democrats in both the Senate and the House. We we've talked about gerrymandering on the show. We've talked about districts and all that stuff. But the point is that American people need help and. The fact that this one person through whatever he thinks is his best political calculation to stay in office, even when some of this stuff would be helpful to his own constituents. And remember that Donald Trump is not an establishment Republican. Donald Trump's like a populist. He wanted his name on the stimulus check. He was the one who said, oh, you should make the stimulus check even higher, right? That was Donald Trump saying that, right? And that Joe Manchin thinks it's in his best interest to water this stuff down. It's an indictment of both him and the system, and it's
0: frustrating and disappointing. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take you on that, Brandon. I, I understand. And it's a diverse country, right? It's a big country. I think it's hard for us to understand the dynamics in other states sometimes. So I'm I'm going to give Joe Manchin a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. I'm glad that he's there. I'm glad that it's not someone who's going to be basically blocking Biden at every turn, because that's that's, again, Republican strategy. They're coming back with it again. Here they come. They're just going to try and block every single possible avenue that Democrats have. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes now i want to go quick quick, woo, fox news take on this covid relief bill you want to hear what their headline was the other day it's hilarious made me laugh so much covid quote, doesn't exist fox <laughs> news okay here's the quote quote covid relief bill offers convicted murderers stimulus check cotton slams end quote and then buried way underneath the headline it says quote Inmates are included among those who will receive stimulus checks, just as they were in both previous COVID relief bills. Right. No, exactly.
1: And like, look, like,
0: it's so frustrating, right? Like this, the dishonesty,
1: the willingness, and just the total glee with which people will deceive other people in order to get them on their side is really frustrating. I mean, I, I, and that think about that people who are incarcerated, are among the most vulnerable people in the country, not only economically, like the recidivism rate of people who are currently in prison is very, very high because America does not have the systems to support people. When they commit a crime, they are punished for it, and then they are released, right? Like they're released into a system that is not there to support them. They're also very vulnerable to COVID. So some Republicans have had a problem, for example, that people who are incarcerated would be among the first of those to get a COVID vaccine, which makes perfect sense if you look at how COVID is swept through many, many different correctional facilities. But yeah, all, I mean, all of this is just to say, like, I'm shocked that Republicans would lie to people to score political points. Color me shocked.
0: Yeah. I mean, just remember that Fox News exists to sell a product and that product is anger at Democrats. People go to Fox News to become angry at Democrats. That's what they want. They want to feed that little dopamine release, that little neurotransmitter release when you get upset and angry. It feels good. They want to have that. So, you know, they can scroll through the headlines. Can you believe it that COVID, they're giving those convicted murderers a check and then way buried underneath. It's like, just like the last two stimulus that you didn't say shit about when Trump passed them because you didn't care because you didn't care.
1: It's actually, you just made me think of maybe we should spend a show on this at a different time, but the... Dopamine hit you get from disagreeing with someone. I would wager that Uh. in the the past that when somebody presented an argument that you didn't agree with, you might get that same dopamine hit. But now we've created this shortcut where if you say Democrat, your brain releases that dopamine. You don't even have to think about what they're saying anymore, right? Like you don't have to wait. Instant gratification with disagreeing with people. I think that's actually a really, really pressured point.
0: Wow. Yeah, you just blew my mind. I love that. Yeah, and and that kind yeah. of explains, you know, Donald Trump is like, like George W. Bush was like, I don't know, he was like a little Oxycontin on the street, like a little tab, a little pill. Yeah, I got knew you, a little you were going to go here. Yeah, keep going. And Donald Trump is like full on black tar heroin. You can just mainline <laughs> and feel <laughs> those Democrats are evil? They'll eat your face, and you're just like, yeah, you're gonna eat my face! Yeah! <laughs> it's true, though. Like that's what no, it is like, true. It's, it's totally true.
1: It's so frustrating because I mean, people were not
0: meant to be in a uh, state of like permanent heightened anger. I know, right? Like, what are you going to get done? Like, anger does serve a purpose, right? It, it, it makes, it shuts down your frontal lobe. It shuts down the part of your brain that makes smart decisions, and it allows you to act quickly. That seems like a pretty bad part of your brain to use when you're making a political decision. <laughs> yeah, it
1: seems pretty great if, like, there's a boulder that's, like, rolling down a hill, or if there's, like, a bear that's walking towards you. Like, that's great. Like, ignore exactly. everything else and focus on the thing in front of you. But it's like, you say the word democrat and all of a sudden you're just like frothing at the mouth
0: yeah all of a sudden you're pounding against uh the glass of the capitol building with a flagpole punching a police officer in the face and taking a piss on the rug in nancy pelosi's office that's what you're doing that's what you did and it's all just so frustrating Um, all right so we're gonna we're gonna move on to our final 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 topic which i believe you wanted to lead into it's Kind of political, it's a little bit traipsy into your other interests, but that's okay, I'm gonna allow it this time.
1: Oh, yeah, Alex, I have to ask you a question
0: because your question? we have talked. I don't know. why I'm using that. voice. We don't know. No, you just you just went back into your like Blazers podcast voice. I love it. Do it. Do it.
1: No, actually, it's my, my Blazers podcast voice is, is eerily similar to my remember Polly Psy podcast voice. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean it's your voice? <laughs> it's my voice. Yeah, so uh, he
0: just uses his voice and both. So so you just like use your voice for both the podcast. That's so lazy, Brandon,
1: which is funny because I remember a certain brother saying, Hey, Ruby ran on Red Rubies, wooby win on Red woobies. because Aww. I used to have a pretty you know, serious speech impediment and Alex would make fun of me for it. That's fine. Aww. It's fine. But see, it, it made me stronger. I'm now the podcaster I am today thanks to your diction lessons that you gave me that were completely in good faith and not at all to make fun of your little brother. But Wait, didn't you go
0: to speech therapy too? That helped, oh, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for year plus yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry I was no, no, ever mean.
1: It, actually, it's funny like I mean separate topic, but like going to speech therapy, I I think that like as like now I don't think about oh like when you form the letter T what does your teeth look like? What does your lips look like? What does your tongue look like? What is your breath doing? It was actually probably one of my first intros into like really deep mindfulness as a kid who was like pretty angsty, pretty high energy. So yeah, shout out to uh, speech therapy. And I, it's funny because I can picture her face, but I can't remember her name. Uh, the person who is my speech therapist, you are an amazing human being, and I really appreciate you. But that's not what we're going to talk about. Wait, wait,
0: about. What, wasn't her name Miss Diction? Oh no.
1: That'd be that'd be pretty amazing though, yeah, because uh
0: She's like, I always wanted to be a speech therapist ever since I learned my name was Diction. It's
1: like that Seinfeld episode where it's like or no, it's the office where it's like, What's your dentist's name? Crentist? Your dentist Krenti- name is
0: Crentist, right? It's like Dwight's lying Krentis. about having a Krent- Um Anyway, Crint. that's the best. That's the best he could do. The best he could come yeah, up crintist. with a word that sounds like the thing that he went to. <laughs> Michael Scott's all like skeptical, kind of staring at him. He knows
1: he's lying. But anyway, that's what okay, we're here yeah, talking yeah. about. No. We are here, Alex, to talk about sports-related cryptocurrency. You know it. I am talking about NBA Hot Shot, Alex. I am. I am now an NBA hot shot, hot boy, because I am deep into this market. Let me ask you something. Okay. How much do you know about cryptocurrency, blockchain, Dogecoin? We've talked about it. Bitcoin. How much do you know about cryptocurrency? Like, how deep are you? How much money have you lost, Alex? That's what I'm trying to ask.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that, because I actually can look right now at my Robinhood account, and I can tell you that I have earned a couple hundred dollars in the last couple of weeks in bitcoin that's because pretty good. yeah i'm actually i'm way positive on bitcoin i am way bullish on bitcoin i know a bit about the blockchain so um it's very interesting it is this is a huge change to the way humans you know move value around it's a big big change so it's very interesting to me um do you want to do you want me to give a little Tiny primer on what Bitcoin even is, or what this this technology is.
1: Yeah, no, I, I particularly you could talk about Bitcoin, but in particularly as it relates to like blockchain and encryption and like creating virtual stuff that you can uniquely identify and secure it. I would love it, like kind of in that context.
0: Right, so I mean, I can compare this to an episode of DuckTales that we watched recently. Woo. Yes, I'm watching Tales of DuckTales. The danger
1: behind you. Well, there's a stranger, no, there's a stranger out to, out to
0: find you. <laughs> I could go off on that. We could so, literally um, just
1: have a podcast of us singing like Saturday morning cartoon stuff and
0: the commercials. OK, and embarrassingly, just to remind listeners that the sound, the, the song that we use for our intro and outro is from DuckTales as well.
1: <laughs> oh, the video, the, the regular Nintendo video game, The Moon Level. Yes, yes actually, that's where it comes from. Uh, don't tell on us. I still need to reach out to those people that created that particular song and ask them their permission. But we're not making money oh. off of this. Anyway, it's okay. non-commercial yeah. reuse. Anyway, continue.
0: Yeah, it's totally fine. OK, so basically, you know. Things have value when humans decide that they do. And in this one episode of DuckTales, Scrooge doesn't want to deal with money anymore. He's tired of dealing with money. It's always causing headaches for him. So he goes to this island where there's no money and everybody's super happy. But he makes a mistake. He brings like a six pack of sodas and there's six bottle caps on that on those sodas. And people eventually discover these bottle caps and they become very highly prized possessions to these people. And then of course, all these societal problems begin. And then Uncle Scrooge, ends up flying in, you know, airplanes full of bottle caps and then it becomes a monetary society and the whole thing is ruined. Okay, that that's just an interesting like I don't know, analysis of what money is. It's worth something because we say it is, right? Gold right. was traditionally worth something because it's hard to find. It's not it's not easily found and when it is found it has certain qualities that humans like. It's malleable, it's Pretty Right. You can pound it into a ring. You can do stuff with it. You can melt it down easily into an ingot or a coin and you can keep track of it. So that's that's where money came from. Now, at some point, you know, money became something a little more abstract. Um, take, you know, a U.S. dollar. A U.S. dollar is no longer uh, equivalent to any amount of gold it simply stands on its own as a u.s dollar and so now we refer to it as a fiat currency right there's nothing behind it it just is what it is and it is worth something because everyone around the world believes that the u.s is stable enough that the dollar will continue to be worth something right right it's still it's we still all a physical believe in
1: it alex this entire system it's like tinkerbell right like we all believe that
0: it's there and so it works right and so. When electronic payments came out, you know, banks discovered ways of keeping track of dollars in digital ways. So basically, the bank has a big server and the server is the ledger in this case. And the ledger says you have this many dollars in your bank account. And when somebody wants that dollar, you know, the, the bank basically checks to see if you have that dollar. And if they if you have it, they send it over. Right. So that's how it works traditionally with mon- with monetary electronic monetary transactions. Now, in the early what was it early aughts? You know, this mysterious figure Um, who actually, we still don't know who actually invented Bitcoin. We we don't know if it was an actual person or a group of people. They published this white paper on digital transaction currency, which was decentralized, right? So rather than a bank having access to this ledger saying how many dollars you have, it's any number of computers who are all keeping track of the ledger. And when an electronic payment goes through, that payment is kept track of on all of these different computers, which have to sign off on it um, and say, That Yes, you know, this particular bit of currency is belonging to this particular person or number and we're transitioning it over. So it's decentralized by nature, which is very interesting. There's also and we've talked about this. This whole other um, element of it where you can mine Bitcoin, right? So by solving these computer algorithms, which are becoming increasingly more difficult, you can actually find more Bitcoin. And you also service the network by uh, becoming one of the uh, nodes that basically keep the ledger and supervise these transactions. So that's basically what Bitcoin is. Now, there's a finite number of Bitcoin because the math that was used to create it Put a limit. I believe the limit is a certain million number of Bitcoin. And once those number of Bitcoin are mined, there will not be any more Bitcoin. OK, but all of this is only existing in computers, which has right. become a lot of things in our world. Right. Like if if all electricity goes off right now and all computers explode, Bitcoin disappears forever. Um, though we're going to have the, a lot of other bigger problems in the world. <laughs> <if Bitcoin laughs> yeah, but yeah, your, your point's is taken. But, yeah, so it's a, it's a digital. And so a okay. lot of people say, well, Bitcoin's not actually worth anything because it's not real. Janet Yellen doesn't like it. And I can talk a little bit more about but why Alex, she doesn't like it. Nothing is real. Uh, Well, kind of, I mean, yeah. Nothing I mean, is I real, man. Nothing is real. Yeah, have you heard of
1: the Beatles, bro? Come on. No, I'm just uh, saying yeah. that's like our, our entire system of currency is not real. This is all. I, again, my argument is that everything for a long time has been our belief in it is propping it up, which is great. I mean i'm I'm fine with it, but yeah, it's
0: yeah. Well, here's what Janet Yellen doesn't like about Bitcoin, and she actually has a point. She says, you know, um, Bitcoin is a widely used transition uh, mechanism, but it's also a highly speculative asset. And, you know, I think people should be aware that it's extremely volatile. I would worry about potential losses that investors might suffer with Bitcoin. And she basically says that she thinks it's an extremely inefficient way to do a financial transaction because it actually takes a tremendous amount of electricity to move bitcoins around because there's all these computers all over the world that are keeping this ledger. And she also references that to the extent it is used, I fear it's often for illicit finance um, in addition to being extremely inefficient. And she's right about that because you can essentially be anonymous moving bitcoins around. And so, you know, I was reading about uh, this U S in basically a, a, um, an investigation they did into this East Asian crime ring. They took like 30,000 bitcoins. They took possession of 30,000 bitcoins, which is a huge amount of money. So this stuff is being used for illicit finance, as well as people investing in it. But my bottom line on it is there are only a finite number of Bitcoin. And as long as people continue to believe in it, the price will continue to go up. And I personally, as an investor in Bitcoin, I have a couple thousand dollars in it. I think it's going to keep going up for quite some time. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Right now it's at $53,000. I wouldn't be surprised to see 100 or $150,000 Bitcoin. That's my take on it. Okay, so that was a lot of words,
1: Alex. I'm going to ignore I know. all of them. Here, okay, that here's was a what lot. I got from what you just said. <laughs> Bitcoin is a virtual currency. Yes. There is a way to ensure that there's only so much of it. So there's a yes. scarcity there, right? Right. And there's also a way, if I wanted to send a Bitcoin to you, there's a secure way to make sure that it goes from me to you and it doesn't disappear. So right, it, exactly. it, there, there's scarcity, but it's virtual, but there's a way to track it. Okay, that's a perfect segue because that if that's basically what you're saying, NBA Top Shot, Alex, you remember when we were kids, boy, were we into basketball cards. I mean, at least I was. Like- I was huge into basketball cards, you know, like I thought as a seven year old, as a six year old, as an eight year old, that if I pulled that 92, 93 top stadium club Shaquille O'Neal rookie card, that I would be one day rich that, you know what I mean? Like the Michael Jordan locker talk, that subset of the 91, 92 upper deck series. Hello. Wow. I thought that was going to be worth like
0: thousands of dollars but well and we went so far as to there there was this little book called the beckett beckett's guide to like how much your cards are worth and we basically go to the the card shop and like worship that thing and like look up your card and see what it's worth and oh if yeah. you had one worth 50 dollars or 100 dollars, you were like oh my god this is amazing i don't think i ever even had a card
1: worth even that much at the time and you're right like this is pre-internet right like we're children of the early 90s so yeah beckett you know print publication of Trying to basically peg where people
0: think the value of these things are. So I had a Michael Jordan skybox worth fifty. I remember it specifically, fifty-three dollars. And I was like, dude, I'm gonna keep this forever. I sold it in like a week. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good for you. I
0: like I could never sell any of mine. Like I just kept them and I still
1: have a lot of my same cards from back in the day. I still have them. I was actually looking through them the other day. So enter. NBA Top Shot. It's 2021, Alex. Basketball cards actually are making a resurgence. That's what the funniest part about this is honestly like basketball cards finally, you know, 25 years later are becoming valuable again. Like it is finally, it's happened in our lifetime. We knew it was going to happen someday. It's finally happening. But now you also have NBA Top Shot. What is NBA Top Shot? It is basically virtual trading cards they are these video clips think about you know a, a gif or think about like the moving photographs in harry potter right it's a video clip and they call them a moment but we can call them cards if we want it's the same thing it's a video clip it's a digital basketball card it's built on blockchain technology it's encrypted and here's the biggest point to your point about bitcoin and the scarcity right that there's only going to be so many bitcoin they are producing these moments these virtual cards and some of them are not limited they may produce you know tens of thousands of the same video But some of them are very much limited. So you have some moments that are limited to just a couple thousand or even a couple hundred. You have some moments that are legendary that are limited to just a couple dozen. And there's now a marketplace where people are trading these things. So Alex, I want you to guess. That's amazing. It's so cool. This has only been around in, in real force. It's only been around. It's been around for longer. But in real force, it's really picked up steam the last couple months. I want you to guess... What the entirety market cap of all of NBA Top Shot, of all their moments, what do you think that all of them are worth as of right now?
0: And that's such an interesting question because this is this is value that just didn't exist like a a year ago. Right.
1: This is is people paying real money into some virtual
0: thing that does not exist. Right. Which which honestly is the same with Bitcoin. I mean, Bitcoin didn't exist 15 years ago, and now it has a one trillion dollar market capitalization, meaning there is one trillion dollars moving around in Bitcoin, which is insane. Okay, NBA top shot. I'm just going to be pretty conservative here. I'm going to say 200 million.
1: That's a really good guess. I like that. Um, Remember, this is very new and it's very sports specific. Sixty five million. Well, no. I, I actually I liked your guess because their current market cap as of today is one point five billion dollars. And you're Whoa! right. Oh Billion, billion with a B. This is billion. M- this is money. Yeah, this wow. is money okay. that didn't exist before. All right, all right. And for example. Just today, and I think this is lagging a little bit, but in the marketplace, they've had 60,000 transactions that total about $12 million. These are people trading cards among each other. The price goes up. The price goes down. And here's the last thing I want to say about this before I brag ever so briefly about myself. Oh, I can't wait. When they release these packs, (laughs) Alex, when they release these packs, they only release so many of them. So the last drop they had was like 12,000 packs, right? 12,000 packs available and there were over 200,000 people hoping to get one. Most people didn't get one. I ended up being one of the lucky ones who did get one. So what they do, they send an alert saying, hey, we're dropping a pack in six hours, whatever. And then you get in line. If you're in line... At the time of the drop, you're then put in like a randomized queue. I think this is the fairest way to do it. It's not first come, first oh, serve. It's like you that's get cool. Yeah, you get that's in a cool. window and then you're maybe lucky or maybe not.
0: Dude, the NBA, I, I just have to say, even with like the way they do their drafts, they are a lot more like fair. I feel like I like I like yeah, they, the NBA. I like how they approach things. And this is actually this is a company called Dapper. Um, Mm -hmm. My
1: understanding is that this company, and they're fully licensed by the NBA, um, but it's not the NBA themselves doing it, but Dapper, my understanding, they got their start in virtual beanie babies that didn't quite work <laughs> right
0: but this Dude, is definitely you working you know there's you know there's someone out there that paid like $20,000 for a virtual beanie baby that's worth nothing now and that oh, yeah. my friend that my friend is the problem with all this all of these you know derivative e-coins like dogecoin and everything else that you know they may have their day in the sun but i predict bitcoin will be the the one that stands at the end of the day so and wait it a sounds minute. like
1: Oh, okay. Well, here I, I, let me make the defense of of this new thing that's happening. Right, my defense of NBA Top Shot is I, I I grant you. Look, Bitcoin their market cap is a thousand times bigger than this. This is still in its early days, but. It's clearly, you know, NBA basketball moments it has a specific market. It's people who are either interested
0: in cryptocurrency or people who like the NBA. Now, the thought no it's it, cool. It's cool. I think this idea has staying power. I wasn't well, trying to say I no, I think this idea is going to stick. I really do. I yeah, think this I'm is genius. Get rich.
1: No, but like but I, I guess my, my thought is and, and tell me if I'm off base, you are combining with this the kind of cryptocurrency, you know, blockchain. You have a virtual thing that is secured. You're combining that with, oh, you like sports? Here's a thing that is sports, right? Like, I like LeBron James. I like Damian Lillard. I can get a moment with one of my favorite players. And if it's, if I'm a kid, if it's reasonably priced, like right now, the prices are, you know, whatever. But like, this is something... As a child, as a teenager, as a sports fan, I can connect with in a way that I couldn't connect with if I'm just like some, you know, nerdy tech guy who's into Bitcoin, right? Like the potential for this to be appealing to a different segment of people, that potential is there with this. And I just think it's a very, very interesting marriage of, you know, again, blockchain, virtual currency stuff and sports. And we've never seen this before. And it's just very, very interesting.
0: It's really cool. Let me say two things. Nerdy blockchain. Okay. Elon Musk just invested $1.5 billion in Bitcoin. Robinhood has popularized all of, uh, you know, all of investing really. But like, there are so many little tiny investors investing a couple hundred dollars in Bitcoin right now. It's not like you have to have a digital wallet and all this complicated crap or be on Coinbase like some of us are, but it is very accessible. I'm just going to say that. Um, I think this idea has staying power. I think it's really cool. The coolest thing about it is... You, you texted me last night, and you were really excited because what happened when you got involved in this yesterday and you ended up getting a pack? What happened to you, Brandon? What happened to me, because the demand is so great right now, as
1: I told you, you know, 10,000 packs dropped, 20, 200,000 people were waiting, I paid kind of a lot of money. I paid $200 for this pack, but we knew that if you bought this pack, it was guaranteed to have a moment, a, a virtual card in it that was limited, Alex, I was able to sell that moment for 2,100 bucks. So I made (sighs) a 10 times return instantly. I was then able to buy some different moments, right? There was another pack I bought for $14 that I made $450 off of one moment in that pack. So all of this is very confusing to me because I have to tell you, sitting here, I'm like, so I got lucky I somehow got lucky to get this pack. I did nothing and I made money. That's because there's a lot of pent up demand. There are so many people who want to get involved. If you don't get a pack, You can buy these moments on this independent marketplace. And it's just, I I guess I'm not like the most tech savvy person, but I have to say the company that's running this, they've done a really good job calibrating, you know, they need a marketplace big enough to where people are buying and selling stuff, but they also want to create this artificial scarcity, right? This demand, this, oh, can I get in the door? Am I going to be one of the lucky ones? And they have somehow struck that balance really well, to where this thing is growing, and again, their market cap is over a trillion dollars now.
0: And so, yeah, it's
1: I, I just wait think over a,
0: over a trillion? No, over a billion. A billion, sorry, billion. One point five. A billion. Yeah, billion. Okay, so Thank I'm you. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop us there because we are definitely over time. But I just want to say, <laughs> sounds like it sounds like you're at the ground level on this. And uh, pro tip for our listeners, you can get into this NBA Top Shot. If you lose money, please just know that we're really sorry. If you if you actually end up making money, we would appreciate a small donation. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I get 5% of anyone's earnings who got into NBA Top Topshop because of this episode, absolutely. Oh, my
0: God. NBA Topshop, please sponsor us. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, we do need a sponsor. So, yeah, Brandon, I mean, man, that was an excellent episode, and I want to say it's been, it's it's like a week and a half of pent-up desire to talk to my bro, and it felt really good, man, to be able to speak with you on a variety of topics. I'm looking forward to doing this again next week. Dude, it's
1: good to speak to you, too, and if you want to hear us speak to each other, you can go to rememberpolyside.com. That's remember, you can also check us out on basically any podcatcher out there please subscribe give us a rating give us a review we'd really appreciate that and yeah i'm stoked to talk to you too can't wait till next time and until next time i'm brandon he is alex i appreciate you and uh yeah godspeed and good luck
0: Holy shit,
1: an hour and 16 minutes.